All right, I uh, want to introduce to you uh, Colleen Haley, who uh, needs no introduction for very many of you because she served as one of the pastors of this church back in the early 2000s, uh, here from 2000 to 2010. Uh, she is now uh, serving as assistant to the district superintendent, and as Jackie said, she'll be presiding for our church conference um, meeting here in just a little bit. Uh, she lives on the border now, <laughs> border between Gillespie and Mason counties. Uh, it's dangerous out there, dangerous out there. Um, Colleen and I actually go back uh, even further. She was uh, over at the Columbus and I was at Shiner back in the early uh, 90s and began to get to know each other a little bit. And uh, once again, uh, the pleasure of another serendipitous kind of uh, coming together and, and uh, being colleagues in ministry together. And so it's uh, with um, my... Uh, pleasure and honor to introduce to you our guest preacher today, Colleen Haley. Could we uh, start with a word of prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all hearts be acceptable in your sight, almighty God, our rock and our redeemer. All glory and honor are yours, Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, before I started, it is so nice to be back here. I told them at 9 o'clock I sat there, and there were just so many different memories going through my mind. And, and, and we had all the sound equipment up here, and, and I was thinking, it is awesome to see it there. And uh, so we, um, our, our, our focus today will be from the Ephesians passage. And the letter to the Ephesians was written by Paul, maybe. Uh, it depends, you know, it depends on... You can look online and, and find some people who say he definitely wrote it, and, and then you can find some really highfalutin scholars who, who probably spent a lot of time and whose parents spent a lot of money on their, on their seminary education, and they say, well, it's not really for sure. If Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, it could have been written by one of Paul's helpers. But for me, we're just going to say Paul wrote the letter and just go on. So I hope you're all right with that today. Well, this portion of the letter to the Ephesians talks about relationships. Paul was a church planter. Now, I don't know if you know what a church planter is, but it's someone who's been called by God to go to a certain place and, and, and gather people up in the name of Jesus Christ and, and start a church there. And they don't usually stay uh, all that long, uh, and they certainly don't stay there for the rest of their lives unless it's really, really unusual. If you do these little personality inventories on leadership, people who are, are church planners, I can't remember what their real uh, title is, but it was explained to me like this, that most people who are church planners love them and leave them. And, uh, and so that's maybe kind of how Paul was too. And so he was writing this letter to tell the people at Ephesus how to behave, how not to behave. And that's the rules and regulations part. And this 
particular portion, though, deals with relationships. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to follow rules than it is to engage in healthy relationships all the time. At least that's the way I see it. I mean, we can take a vote. How many of you would rather just have rules in front of you and do what it says? And how many of you would rather just spend all day thinking about and working out ways to engage in healthy relationships? Go ahead. <laughs> Not as many, but a few. Good. So, so relationships can kind of be hard for some of us, and, and I think every one of us at some point does have some kind of a, a difficulty in a relationship. And, and, and when, you're, when you're first coming to a, a, a new relationship with someone, you, you can really feel like an outsider, and that's how those Gentiles felt. Was they were feeling kind of like outsiders in this new church um, and in the, in the world of those days, if you were a Jew, you were a Jew, and if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile, and so the Gentile was just everybody else. Um, I have a good friend, Connie Whiting, whose son used to run track, and, and she said that the coach would call the kids together and say, okay, I want the A team here, and I want the B team here, and I want the Roy team here. And she said, what is the Roy team? He said, oh, well, that's the rest of you. And, and so, so that's what Gentiles were, the rest of you. If you weren't a Jew, you were the rest of you. And so Paul was trying to bring all of these people together as one body of Christ. And that is no easy job. And Paul knew he couldn't do it by himself. He knew that in order for this body of Christ to function at all, they would have to be leaning on and counting on Christ. I can remember, I was raised Baptist, maybe y'all don't all know that, but I was raised Baptist, and so when we moved to Columbus uh, years ago, we, we, we joined the Methodist church there. Uh, little did I know, it was for some reasons I would found out way, way down the line. But so when I started in this Methodist church in Columbus, I knew what, I knew how to go to church. I knew what you did, right? Until I got there. And then we had to stand up sometimes, and we had to sit down sometimes, and we had to sing this thing called the Gloria Patri. I had no idea what that was. I looked on the bulletin, and there was something called the collect, and I said, oh, that must be the offering, but it wasn't the offering. It was the collect. It was a certain kind of prayer. I had to learn all of this. I was not an insider when I became Methodist. But so when I was appointed here, my husband and I walked into those doors and this sanctuary was completely empty and we walked up this aisle. Now remember, I'd come from Columbus and so the sanctuary is about that side of the church. And, and we walked in here and I just said, oh, Billy, how are we going to find God in here? It's just so big. We found God in mighty ways here in this congregation. In the church, sometimes there are insiders and sometimes there are outsiders. But the whole point is that none of us are in or out. We're all one with Jesus Christ. At least that's the plan. When I was a teacher uh, back in Columbus, there, I had, I, I don't know, somehow or another I got this uh, reputation for being a magnet for at-risk kids. Maybe we all had something in common, I'm not sure, but, but that's how it was. 
And so I, I had, this, I had a, this classroom that was way, way at the end of a line of, of classrooms, and it was outside. You walked, when you left the door, you, you went outside. And so it was way on the end, and, and that was a place there where I held many informal conferences out there on that sidewalk. And so one day I walked in, and, and there were these, these two boys fighting. Their names were Kevin and Paz. Now, Paz, does anyone know what Paz means? It means peace. And I never went so far as to say, Paz, your mama named you wrong. (laughs) But peace was probably not something he practiced all the time in his life. I explained to them why fighting was not in their best interest and and how, you know, to to, to say to each other, I'm sorry that we have to be here to be, get our education. It was really an inspired lecture, I must say. <laughs> and so at the end, I thought I'd done this really great job, and I said, okay, so now I want y'all just to, to shake hands and let, let's go back in so that we can go ahead and, and do what we came here to do today. And so Kevin stuck his hand out, and, and Paz just stood there. I said, Paz, <laughs> shake his hand. I'm not going to shake his hand. Now, Paz and I were buds, right? So I couldn't figure out why he wasn't doing what I asked him to do. So I thought, maybe he didn't hear me. (laughs) I said, Paz, you need to shake Kevin's hand so that you can show the usual. So I said, well, why won't you shake his hand? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, because I don't touch white people. I went, hmm? And I stood there a minute. I said, well, Paz, you've touched me lots of times. And he went, well, well, you're brownish white. <laughs> hmm. But he did shake his hand, and we went back in. But, but, but the point of this story is to show you that the reason Paz and I, who were, we were completely from different worlds, But the reason that we had a good relationship with each other, because there was trust. Because Paz knew that I would do what I said I would do, and he knew that I wouldn't turn on him, and I wouldn't betray him, and I wouldn't disrespect him, and I would not ever put him down in front of other people. Relationships can only be as strong as our relationship with God is. And thanks be to God, I knew God. And I I knew what was required of a person. I know y'all can't believe that, but it's a fact. (laughs) Relationships are so hard that some of the hardest work we will ever have to do, and it is work. You know, we have this idea that human constructs, if we just make like a system or some organized chart or some checklist, that if we do all the things that we have on this system or this list, everybody will just get along fine. You do not have to look very far to know that that is just a lie. <laughs> Checklists don't do it. Organizations don't do it. Laws don't even do it. We have laws so that there won't be complete chaos all the time. But the only way for the church, and that's us, the only way for the church to be at its strongest is to practice good relationships with each other and with God. This is a not very well-known secret. And I might be about to step on some toes, so put your 
feet up underneath the pews if you need to. Our relationship with people can only be as good as our relationship with God. <coughs> our relationship with people can only be as good as our relationship with God. That's a hard truth, and yet it is true. You see this wagon wheel? Thank you, Lisa. Lisa brought this wagon wheel. You should have seen it at nine. I was like, well, help us to understand a few things about our relationship with God and with each other. So right here, the hub, that's the strongest part of the wheel. And all of these spokes go out. And so if we, and, and, and if one of these breaks, the wheel can still work. But if two or three or five break, the wheel is just going to all fall apart. Now, what? look at this. I, I swear. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> if, this is so important, if we see the hub as God and we see the spokes as us, notice that the when we all fall apart and start fighting and griping and all that kind of stuff, the whole thing falls apart. God doesn't fall apart. God doesn't, God, look at that. The hub did not fall apart. <laughs> the hub stays intact. God is at the center of all we do. The farther we get from God and the farther we get from each other, the weaker we become. We're stronger here, weaker there. Paul is trying to explain to the church at Ephesus, and God help us, we're still trying to explain it today, how important it is for our relationships all to be bound in God. And the only way we can be bound together as the church is to see God before we see ourselves, to see God before we see someone else, to see God before we see the other and to always know that God is with us and not to turn our heads away from God. Our culture uses TV and ad campaigns, things like that, to teach us about relationships. Are you kidding me? Where is the best place to learn about relationships? It's right here in the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't die for us just so we could keep it up, fighting and all of that. He showed us a better way, and he continues to show it every day. Y'all know Maida Carroll, a couple of years ago, had a friend who uh, had moved to Oregon, and the friend was having trouble, and so Maida, being Maida, said, well, I'm going to go to Oregon and help this friend. Well, when she got there, she did help the friend, but she also knew that she needed more than just that one person. Where do you think she went? to make connections and relationships at a church. She, can't, she was in a campground, <laughs> but she found a church, and she still connects with those people at that church in Oregon. Those are the relationships. That's how we know that we are bound to each other. It's not through geography. It's not through shared experiences. It's not through how old our kids are or what they're doing, if they're playing soccer or whatever. It's not 
God help us, our political affiliations, <laughs> our relationships are only strong when they find their source in Jesus Christ. And when we as the church practice that kind of relationship, not only with each other, but with total strangers. John, John Wesley used to say, how is it with your soul? We loved that. Oh, how is it with my soul? That's kind of self-centered, really. Uh, let me tell you all about what's going on with me. But he wanted us to look inside our soul. Not how is it with your hardship in your life. How is it with your soul? How is it between you and God? Because as long as we are practicing the presence of God, all that other stuff, not near as hard. When we are alienated from each other, we are alienated from God. And the church of all people should be an example to the world of what that looks like. To be close to God, to be close to each other. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was really such a wonderful theologian, many of you I'm sure love him as much as I do, he said this, we are bound together by faith, not by experience. Jesus is our unity. Jesus is our peace. In the fourth chapter of Philippians, you'll see a, a verse that says, we can experience the peace that passes all understanding. Our natural state is conflict. The minute we're born, we start hollering, feed me! <laughs> we are, by nature, self-centered and prone to conflict. God knows that, and that is why he has given us the blood of Jesus Christ. Help us to turn away from that inward self-centeredness and instead toward the one who loves us more than anyone else ever can or ever will. This week, this week, when you leave this place, be determined to think about your relationships. When an unkind word is said, was I thinking about Jesus right then? Maybe not. We get second chances all the time. Thanks be to God. Keep Christ close, and Christ will be close to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let the people say, Amen. Amen.